1: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing
0: Podcast,
1: helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Andrew Davis, and we're gonna explore how to create marketing partnerships with content. And trust me, this is gonna blow your mind. But first, we've got a new discovery to share with you.
1: Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival
0: tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher, our community manager, who's got a really cool new app that he found. Eric, tell us all about it. This app is
1: called MailTime. And yeah, it's yet another email app for your phone. And we're all kind of sick of those, trying to figure out which one's the best one, what works. Well, this one is cross-platform. It's not only for iOS, it's also for Android. And it does a really cool thing in terms of simplifying your email in that it can turn conversation threads in your email into a uh, what looks like a text message conversation.
0: Okay. So w- kind of describe in words what that means. What does a text message conversation look okay.
1: like? Okay. So because we're looking at an email screen on our phone or even on our desktop, we're thinking, okay, email has to be sentence after sentence after sentence of talking. And if you don't need to write that much then why do so you know what i mean like it, in other words texting and the the way that we do texting is almost like tweeting you know where you know you've got a certain attention span of you know lol or short speak or things like that where in other words this app turns email from being email into being the convention of text messaging and changes your your mental shift, if you will, to, oh, I just need to respond to them. So you don't feel like you need to write sentence after sentence after sentence.
0: Okay, so the way it displays the content is on the left is one conversation from person A and on the right is conversation from person B. Is that the idea? Yes. Just like a text message would. Um, you know, yeah,
1: exactly. Like it's a list of your emails as if they're lists of text message
0: threads. And you can very easily scroll up and down and see the entire you know conversation and the different people tagged somehow in different colors so that you can, you can scroll through that really cool. You know, what's interesting about this is it brings up a philosophy that I've been trying to train some of our staff on, which is what I call the four sentence rule, which is try to say it in four sentences or less. And I also tell people never combine more than two requests in one email instead send email a and then later send email b because i think a lot of people make the mistake of asking for too many things in an email and it never gets accomplished but if it's one thing and someone can respond to it right away just like a text message then i think the chances of getting whatever you want accomplished are accomplished so so this app essentially trains you to um very quickly reply just like you might do with a text message i would imagine right
1: yeah, yeah, like a single, a single um, subject conversation, quick and easy. Is it free? It is free.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric. And it's called Mail Time, and I would imagine they could find that in the App Store or wherever they find apps on the Android, right?
1: Yep, and you can find it at MailTime.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. With that, let's transition over to today's interview with Andrew.
1: Helping you simplify your social safari. Here's this week's expert guide.
0: I'm very excited to be joined today by Andrew Davis. If you don't know who Andrew is, he's the author of the book, Brandscaping, Unleashing the Power of Partnerships. He's also a very popular keynote speaker. Andrew, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm really excited about this. Thanks for having me on.
0: Awesome, well, I'm glad to have you. And today we're gonna to talk about why and the, the why and how of partnerships and content, and how all that stuff works together. Now, Andrew, before we started recording, Um, We were talking just a little bit about your backstory and I think it's a very intriguing backstory. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you came from and what ultimately led you to create a book on content marketing partnerships as I kind of simplify it in three words.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I, I started my career actually <laughs> working in television and film. So I went to Boston University, uh, studied TV and film, got a job right out of school producing two kind of public affairs programs. One was like a, a call-in show uh, with a white right-wing uh, you know Republican host yelling at the TV screen every night. And, uh, and my job was essentially to, to answer the phone and then figure out who was the best caller to put on the, on the show with this right wing Republican host yelling at each other for, for 60 minutes. So your Uh, job was to
0: create controversy basically, right?
2: Exactly. It was, it was exactly that. And it was, you know, there, I realized pretty quickly there was an art to it. You know, you had to get the people that were angry enough to, uh, to continue the conversation, but not too angry that they would swear, which that, that point I'd have to hang up on them. Uh, so it was, it was fun. And then I also produced a show that was a medical call in show, uh, which was basically hypochondriac calling in and talking about, about their illnesses, and then we couldn't give medical advice, so we talk around the problem for half an hour and then tell them to go see a doctor. Um, then, uh, okay. So it was, it was fun. And then I started, uh, I basically started working for uh, a bunch of networks as a freelancer doing news producing, uh, and I ended up working for the Today Show for Weekend Today and then uh, producing for for NBC's Today Show during the week, uh, and that led to some really great opportunities. Then I was producing for Charles Kuralt, uh, if you're old enough to remember him, I I don't know if, if, if everybody I listened I do remember
0: him, but give give those that are younger people a little back on who he oh, is. Oh, man.
2: He's the kind of guy that you should Google and just watch a segment uh, on, on YouTube for him. But Charles Corral was essentially this guy that drove across the you know America finding these really small town stories and then kind of uh, emotionally grabbing you and telling you these great stories about everything. Oh, everyday. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm visualizing him right now. Really yeah. kind of a country folk kind of gentle exactly. guy, right? Exactly.
2: Yeah, it was a really amazing experience, and he was a great storyteller. Uh, and then the first dot com boom happened, and I, I I had a bunch of friends who were working in TV, and they were all of a sudden making like ten times the money I was making, and they were they were supposedly in marketing. And I would ask these guys, "What do you do?" And they were like, "I don't really know, but I'm making a lot more than I was in TV." Uh, so I was like, "Well, I'm going to do that." Uh, so I got a, a bunch of jobs at startups, uh, you know, kind of progressively getting more and more into marketing, uh, and they got acquired. Or they got they went bankrupt <laughs> or they they uh, folded in, into something else uh, and uh, I, I realized pretty quickly that uh, you know marketing if you're creating great content uh, you know l- like television producers uh, that I knew were doing uh, you were actually inspiring people to buy stuff uh, whether you wanted to, to admit it or not and that if I could apply the same kind of principles in in the marketing world I could you know really be successful so I partnered up actually with a journalist who we went to uh, Boston University. A guy named James Costco, really talented writer and smart guy. And we uh, we started an agency called Tipping Point Labs and grew that uh, till 2012. And uh, I sold uh, my share of the, the agency in 2012. Wrote brandscaping, and then since then I've just been kind of traveling around the world, speaking to people uh, and and uh, trying to help them, you know, find the right kinds of partnerships, but also think rethink marketing in this kind of new age.
0: Awesome. Well, why don't you describe what brandscaping really means? Because I'm sure it's not an intuitive word necessarily, to me at least. Why don't you tell our listeners what does that mean?
2: Sure. Well, brandscaping is essentially leveraging the audiences of others for the benefit of both. Mm. So like in the digital age, uh, you know the the idea is that everybody has an audience you know we all have followers on Twitter we all have Facebook fans we all have f- you know Facebook friends uh, you know we all have YouTube subscribers we can create an audience anywhere I mean at the base level every even if you're a small business you have your email address book right that's an audience uh, and the idea that you could actually partner with other brands and create valuable content that they would want to actually proactively send to their audience is the simple idea behind creating a brandscape so instead of buying access to the media, you know, to get to your audience in this day and age, you can actually just partner together. I mean, you know, at its simplest, to to be honest, Michael, this is a brand scape, right? Like, um, you're leveraging my content, uh, you know, uh, in an interview format on this show. uh, And when the show comes out, I'll introduce my audience if they don't know the podcast already to your podcast. Very good uh, point all of a sudden we're sharing the access to the audience.
0: Very good point. Well, um, let's focus in on the why of partnering, because I know that a lot of people listening right now are probably like me and they're thinking to themselves, I don't know if I want to partner because of all the, all the complications that come with partnerships. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, sure. And you know, I mean like, like when I think partner, I think, you know, man, when I started my business, I had the choice to partner with someone or do it on my own. And I call myself a bit of a Lone Ranger. <laughs> so I, I, um, I, I'm not really the ideal person you know, to do a partnership in the legal United States sense of partnership. <laughs> but you know, let's talk about you know, what are the benefits of partnering? And then maybe we can get down into the dirt a little bit about what that really means.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think if you boil down the benefits to partnering in a digital age, it's, it really boils down to three simple things. It's it's better, it's faster, and it's cheaper. Uh, let's start with the better first. So I actually think um, as marketers, we can create better content for our audience if we're willing to partner with other people who know the audience, perhaps even better than we do. Right. So if you start asking the question, like, who... Who has access to our audience before they're our customer, right? Who already has our next customer as their current customer, they probably know that audience better than us. And if they're already creating content for that audience uh, and they can enlighten us and, and teach us about what that audience likes, what their problems are, what what you know what problems lead to our solution, then we can create better content with a partner, instead of thinking we know everything about the audience on our own, so that's that's the better piece of the puzzle. Number two, I think you can see faster marketing results, right? So one of the problems I think we all have uh, when we're, especially with content marketing specifically, is we feel this, you, you know, this. And even people tell us, right? Well, this is a slow-growth strategy. You know, you've know, you got to start creating content. You've got to be credible with your content. You've got to gain an audience. You've got to kind of get some momentum. You've got to distribute your content in the right way. And then eventually, you'll start seeing a return on your investment for your content. Well, what I found was the brands that were partnering with other brands were seeing much more rapid success with their the content they were creating. So they were essentially saying almost immediately, who has access to this audience? Who can I introduce to this content that we're creating? You know, together, uh, and what can be the impact on our bottom line from a revenue standpoint? So. You know the faster piece of, of the puzzle for especially for content marketing is a big I think win when you think in partnerships and and then the at the end of the day you know cheaper is, is helpful um, you know for me because everyone has access to an audience and we all have an email database that's unbelievably valuable we don't have to sell access to that database what we're interested in doing is sharing you know across audiences. And if we can just say, hey, do you have valuable content I can share with my audience and vice versa, then we're essentially doing that without having to buy access through the media in terms of you know native advertising or whatever they, they call it these days. Um and, and I think that's a it's a big opportunity. So better, faster, cheaper uh is why I think about partnering.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind as you were explaining this is I guess We've, we at Social Media Examiner have always been doing partnerships because, yep. <laughs> but you know, if you think about it from day one, we were building relationships with less brands and more individuals who had access to the audience that we wanted to be in front of. And we were figuring out collaborative ways of benefiting both parties. For example, they spoke at our event and in exchange, we gave them exposure uh, off yep. of the event, you know, independent of the event um and so on and so forth and and we got down to the core of what they as individuals were seeking to do in growing their own personal brand so and when i think and when i think about the fact that the vast majority of the people that write for our blog are not employees but are volunteers who want to be in front of our audience arguably that is a partnership where they're bringing content expertise in the form of an article to our audience and in exchange what they're getting is exposure to a new audience I think a lot of people get that. And I think I would almost call that relationship marketing in some regards. But when I start thinking about brand to brand, that's when things get a little fuzzy inside of my head. So, (laughs) you know, you understand where I'm going with this? So, help me understand the difference.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, first off, you're you're absolutely right. Like actually, partnering with talent who has uh, the ability to create great content and bring an audience with them is a huge piece of this puzzle. So you can think of the most basic partnership as a partnership between a brand and a, a, and a talent. I call them talent, right. uh, maybe just because I came from the TV world, but that's exactly how you you've built the brand. And uh, more and more companies can can think this way. So if you're nervous about creating a partnership with another brand immediately think of, of of great long-term partnerships you can create with talent that already has access to your audience uh and that's a good start but beyond that if you know a bunch of examples come to mind, but I'll give you some easy ones that everybody can kind of comprehend. And I'll give you one that's a little bit more complicated, but still makes a lot of sense. So the first one is really simple. We all know who Converse is, right? The guys that uh, make really cool tennis shoes. Uh, and, and My kids you know, wear
0: those old Converse, the same kinds I wore when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, Chuck Taylors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so Converse, w- when Converse was trying to figure out how to kind of rebuild their brand, uh, they started thinking about uh, you know where are we already seeing traction? And and you know Jeff Cottrell is their CMO. He's a really smart guy, and he looked at where where do people uh, you know in the public see our Converse shoes? And it, it it didn't take long for him to do a Google search and realize that you know th- every time a celebrity is wearing Chuck Taylor shoes and they appear in uh, you know People Magazine or in some skateboard magazine uh, or in some music magazine like the Rolling Stone. Uh, you know, know, sales go up. So every time Kurt Cobain was wearing shoes in the 90s, we'd see sales go up. Every time, uh, you know, Lil Wayne wears shoes at the Oscars, sales go up. And he thought to himself, like, you know, I can't wait for this. And I, I can't go out and, you know, start a giant PR campaign and buy access to these people. It's too expensive. We're Converse. We don't have a ton of money right now. What could we do? So instead, they said, well, look, every artist, everyone that's a musician should have the, the ability to create great music. And if I can get the next Lil Wayne before their Little Wayne or the next Kurt Cobain before they're the next Kurt Cobain, I could actually be successful with this. So what he did was he partnered with Guitar Center because Guitar Center has all those people that are buying music instruments that want to be musicians, that want to create music. And he said to them, look, well, let's create a studio together. And they actually built a studio in Brooklyn, and they they tricked it out with the greatest gear, and they hired a full-time engineer to sit there every day and record music. And for free, any musician around the world can fly to Brooklyn and get a full day, even two days, for free to record their music. And they get free Converse swag, and all Converse wants is for you to share your music. And in addition to that, Converse and Guitar Center create a series of YouTube videos every every single week about the bands that came through there. They profile the music. People they are Instagramming the their experience
0: in the exactly. studio and the logos That's all right. over the
2: place. Right. Exactly, and all of a sudden, Guitar Center and Converse are creating content together that both of their audiences serve, and that Converse gets the benefit of a brand in front of a loyal audience that now believes, at its core, Converse believes in them. And Guitar Center gets access to all the Converse brand people that love music and are thinking about starting a, brand, a band. This this partnership's been unbelievably successful. They've they've opened another studio uh, in LA. They've uh, they've built two studios that go around the country all year. Was it South? By Southwest this year. Uh, It's a mobile studio, so you can just show up and record with them. So that's a really easy one, right? Uh,
0: And it's been. You know, Andrew, what this reminds me of is back in the day when I was a kid, Apple computers were in my school. And um, I'm sure there was some partnership behind Mm -hmm. the scenes with Apple in the schools, right? And my generation grew up wanting Apple computers. Do you think that's a similar kind of a deal or no? It's
2: exactly the same thing. If you start asking, where is my next customer right now and who already has access to them, and you start thinking of really creative ways to be part of their life and to create content and to, to add value to their lives together, you can be much more successful. So you're absolutely right. Apple built their entire marketing campaign on getting into educational institutions and getting the next generation of, of PC lovers
0: yeah. to be Mac lovers. Exactly. So And the creative types in particular.
2: As, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, they weren't cheap computers. <laughs> uh, you know, so so that's, that's, that's a really good consumer version. The, on, the, on the B2B side, there's a, a great company story I like. A, a woman named uh, Trish Witkowski started a company called Fold Factory. And now these guys, it's a little more complicated. So picture you need to create a, a print design that's going to be folded and direct mailed to someone, all right? Mm-hmm. And you're a print designer and you're every day you're working you know, with your agency to create great direct mail pieces. Well, Trish Wieckowski provides the fold templates so that you, when you actually create the design and it goes to the printer and it's cut and it's mailed, it actually looks the way you expected it to look. And she was trying to increase her business and she had no idea how to get a hold of these print designers. So what she did was she started creating a video every single week called The 60 second super cool fold of the week. And all it is, is a you know, a minute long inspiration piece where she shows someone that's done something cool and, and kind of profiles their fold and inspires these print designers to think about new ways to do their direct mail. Well, she partnered with the United States Postal Service, who has a list every week of people that get an email from them. And the US Postal Service needed great content to distribute to their audience. And they said, we love the 60 second super cool fold of the week. So next thing you know, 500,000, you know print designers around the country are getting the 60 second super cool fold of the week and all of a sudden trish's business is through the roof so there again u.s postal service needs great content you know uh, a fold factory needs access to customers that that uh, need to be inspired with great print designs and together they're both filling their need uh, and and both of their businesses are, are growing
0: that's really cool a lot of people right now are like little little light bulbs are going off in their head <laughs>
2: I hope so I, if, if not we can we'll keep, I, I have tons of other examples well you, you
0: said know. you had one other one that was a little bit unique and I don't know if you already mentioned that one or not um, no
2: that yeah, this, the, the other one is Lauren Luke. Um, and this is, this fits into your kind of talent concept because I think there's an even opportunity for brands to expand even the products they offer and the, the, the audiences they serve by looking for new talent in the marketplace in the same way that you did with, you know, looking for talent that could write great, great articles for you and speak at your conferences to help build your brand. So, Lauren Luke, she was like a taxi cab dispatcher basically in London, and she was trying to make money selling makeup supplies, like surplus makeup supplies on eBay. And, you know, this was like her day job at, uh, you know, trying to boost her income and it wasn't working. And she decided, look, who am I going after? Well, I want 16 year old girls who are going to change their makeup more often to buy more makeup more often. And she decided she'd create a YouTube channel and she'd start doing a show every week called Lauren Luke's looks. And all she did was basically take a a celebrity inspired makeup tutorial and put it on YouTube, you know, no cuts, no fancy edits, nothing. And And basically she started building this audience very quickly. So, so, so she like, did
0: makeovers uh, on herself kind of, but to, exactly. to, to make herself yeah. look like some celebrity is what you're saying.
2: Yes. Right? So she would say like, Oh, Hey, uh, the Britney Spears toxic video has great eye makeup. And I bet girls would love to do this eye makeup. I'll show them how to do it and I'll do it on myself and I'll record it. Right. Gotcha. So next thing you know, she has 500,000 subscribers in just a few months uh, that are subscribing to these weekly updates. And she's still not selling anything on eBay, but Sephora really smarts, you know, Sephora, the retailer of makeup supplies, sees this and says, why don't we partner together and create a Lauren Luke brand of makeup?
0: Wow. They gave her her own brand.
2: They gave her her own brand. So Buy Lauren Luke is the name of the, mu- the the makeup brand. They released it. It was only distributed in Sephora stores. You could get it all over the world. They took Lauren Luke on a global tour to meet her fans, and you could come out to Sephora and meet Lauren and say hi and get her to sign her book. She has a best-selling line of books. She does one every year. And guess what? Her, her best-selling books are just the best makeup tutorials in book form. Wow. <laughs> uh, and today, Lauren Luke's brand is worth $100 million. And that was a partnership with Sephora who wanted to sell more makeup to teenage girls. So, you know, these kinds of partnerships don't just have, uh, you know, the benefit of selling your products. They even have the benefit of finding new products that you might be able to serve. And actually, I don't know if you know um, Michael Port.
0: uh, I don't know him personally, but I know of him. He wrote uh, a book on selling, right? Um,
2: Yes. Book Yourself Solid.
0: There you go. Right. Right.
2: Yeah, so this guy here's another great partnership. He, you know, Michael Port wanted to build his own CRM system, and he spent lots and lots of money hiring people to build this thing. And you know, each time they built it, it wasn't right. It didn't work. It would fail. You know, in the Q and A phases, and he got really frustrated. So what he did was he went out to Contactually, and he said to Contactually, "Look, I I like your system, but it doesn't employ the the you know the content that's in my book. Why don't we partner together to use your system and over." overlay my content on it and expose it to both of our audiences. Mm. And next thing you know, they do that in just a few months. They get this new system, the Michael Port edition of Contactually Working, and both of them sell thousands and thousands of more subscriptions than they would have if they had tried to do this on their own. That's cool. So, it, again, you, you you know, these partnerships are bigger than just the content or the marketing, but the core concept is the same. Let's share our audience and figure out how to work together better so that we both benefit in a wonderful way.
0: Okay. Now I know a lot of people listening right now are like, okay, that, that sounds really cool, but how do I start? Like what, let's, let's step back and talk about what are the basics, you know, that you have to yeah. be thinking about, you know, cause obviously it's got to start with one organization reaching out to another, right? So yes. what needs to be in place? What are the things we need to be thinking about before we reach out for a collaboration?
2: Okay, great question. Okay, so Michael, what you want to do is first have a really clear understanding of who the audience you're going after is and what other brands they already like, okay? So you, you really have to just write on the dry erase board, who has your next customer as their current customer? And and go. you can just go- Who has your-, your
0: next customer as their current customer? That's right. Gotcha. And you,
2: you want to go into your database of existing customers and think about the brands they were buying before they bought you. So I don't care if you sell accounting software. You know, they probably didn't. The, you know, when you set up a business, the first thing you buy isn't the accounting software necessarily. You, you go out and you buy manila folders and you go out and buy you know, tape and, uh, and a dry erase board. And where do you buy that stuff? You buy it at Staples. So if you're going to sell software, maybe thinking about a partnership with an office supply store is a a good partnership. So I want you to list all the brands that they buy before they buy you. Mm. And what brands do they like? And what are the ones that have the same core values uh, as you? So that's the second one. So audience understanding what are the brands like? And then two, Make sure you have a clear core value for that audience. So like at Converse, you know, their core value, if I had to make it up right now, would be like, you know, at Converse, we believe that uh, that every musician should have a shot at expressing themselves no matter where they come from or what their budget is. Okay, that, that's a great core value if you're going to partner with Guitar Center. They can immediately see why we should partner together. Gotcha. So you want, you want to come up with an audience-focused core value statement. Why does your brand care about this audience? Because uh, then it's really clear when you start talking to partners why you should work together. And three, three, you must have a revenue goal. Not, I don't want an engagement goal. I don't want uh, you know new subscribers to your blog, although that might be great. I want you to think about if you could gain access to ten percent of the customers that that uh, partner would bring you. What would it mean to the bottom line? Is this going to be worth it if we actually do go through the partner partnership? Because you're right, a partnership is a little more complicated than just saying high five start working together you're starting to make a commitment to work together on a longer term basis your brands have to align and you have to really believe that this is going to work for both of you so you want to make sure from the get-go that you're not partnering with a brand that's so small even if you got 10% of their customers it's not going to make a big impact uh, but also not too big where they're going to look at you and laugh because you can't provide the same kind of revenue for, for you know uh, uh, in the partnership,
1: uh, both ways.
0: Okay. So hold on a second. So if I'm approaching the brand, I got to be thinking about what, what this could do for my business, but I've also got to convince them that this can do something for their business, right?
2: That's right. If if you have those three things in place, if you say, "Look, I thought about my cu- my customers and the brands they love, and one of them is you, Staples Office Supply." L- let me tell you why we should work together. And you dump out your core value statement because we believe that start you know uh, more businesses should be successful faster, uh, and they should uh, you know see revenue that's uh, three times their average revenue in the first month. Then Staples loves that because they're going to spend more on office supply. And if you can say, hey, we both have 100,000 customers together, and if we can both see 10% of those swapped across uh, and and spend an average of $10 each, we're both going to win here. Then you've made a pretty clear argument as to why the partnership should work, what's in it for them, what's in it for you, and why we should both focus on serving this audience better.
0: Now, what about in this situation with some of the examples you stated before where you've got a talent who really? has content and they want to approach someone in the case of a collaboration and, and that's a little slightly different, right? Because yes. they do have, what, what's your thoughts on that one?
2: So the, the difference there is, um, essentially, you, you know, you're trading, uh, content, which is a huge asset, um, for access to the audience. So the argument there is, uh, Hey, look, um, you have a deep-seated need for content and you can't keep up in this digital age uh, with you know with the desire for high quality content I can provide that for you but here's what I also need in return my dream is not to just write a bunch of articles for you know social media examiner my dream is to speak on the conference circuit and I would love to speak at one of your events or two of your events and can we work together so that you can help me see my dream of evolving my career uh, and to Together we can do this because I'll be happy to tell other people that social media examiner is great or, you know, uh, into it is awesome software. If we can work together, uh, to, 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 you know, uh, both succeed in this, in this. And, and the
0: key in that case is that the talent has access to an audience that the brand wants, right? That,
2: absolutely. It's absolutely. a slight,
0: it's a slight flipping on the head of what we've been talking about, right? It's like the talent has, the talent has, um, this hopefully large following, the brand wants more of that following, and yeah. and and sometimes it sounds like it's the brand approaching the talent, but there's no reason the talent can't approach the brand, right?
2: Absolutely not. And 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 don't get hung up on large audience either. I mean, if, if you think about Sephora, you know their email database it has to be ten or twenty or even maybe a hundred times larger than than uh, the subscriber base that Lauren Luke had on YouTube. The difference was. I call it fractal marketing. It was a, it was a very valuable high quality node of the audience that they would love to have a better relationship with at Sephora. So what you want to look for is people that create high quality content and have a high quality audience. That's much more important than a large giant audience.
0: Very good. Very good. Now, what are some of the mistakes that people make when it comes to collaboration?
2: Okay. Oh uh, yeah. The, so the, they Uh, There are a lot of mistakes you can make along the way. But but if you keep in mind uh, a couple of key ideas, you'll be far more successful than most when it comes to creating great partnerships. Number one, don't think short term okay so these are partnerships especially the best ones are ones that are you have to imagine are going to last a long time and you have to be very clear especially when you're approaching the partner that you're making a commitment to this okay and that, that you two together are going to work for a long time together on, on really making this uh, segment of the audience that you're going after more successful than they are today and that this partnership is going to be key to that okay so do not think short term that's one of the common Mistakes. Number two, don't think about sponsorships. Think about collaboration. Okay. Yeah. Talk
0: to me about that. Cause I was thinking to myself, you know, is there a monetary exchange here? Cause I mean, obviously (laughs) that's what you're, that's what you're alluding to with sponsorships, right?
2: Yes. Sponsorship is just like buying access to the audience by putting up a sign, right. Right. Uh, Or, or, you know, getting your brand in front of them more often Uh, you know, especially events is the easiest example for that. But you, what you want to think of is, can we instead, yes, we can give you a sign at our event, but what we'd rather do is collaborate long-term in a deeper way. And, and be open to new ideas for collaboration. So even if somebody else approaches you about a sponsorship, the first thing you should think is sponsorship would be great, but is there a bigger opportunity for us to collaborate? Uh, and if we collaborated, what would the benefit be? So, so don't think short term and think about collaborations, not sponsorships. Well, what are some Uh, of the,
0: I mean, let's dig just a smidge and deeper here. What are some of the long-term benefits of a collaboration that might be general benefits that somebody can like put in their quiver?
2: So, I mean, a few general benefits are you'll probably uncover audiences uh, that you never knew existed that are ripe to buy your product or service, but have never thought about it. Okay. <laughs> so so one of the key opportunities, and, and, you know, Lauren Luke's an easy example of that. You know, I, I know Sephora had thought we want to get more teenage girls, but I don't think they had ever thought uh, we can we can find a way to do this. Uh, you know, better, faster and cheaper by finding the right kind of talent. And when you think about collaborating, and Lauren Luke says, hey, I'd you know, I also want to make my own brand of makeup, and they start partnering together on that. That's a real collaboration that drove revenue for both parties right. in a much bigger way than just, hey, we could do an advertising campaign with Lauren Luke, which is, which is essentially the sponsorship model, right? Gotcha. So. Be open to uh, exploring new ideas on ways both of you could drive revenue. Uh, how how do you if- know
0: when when the partnership is not working out, and do you need an exit strategy? I mean, what are your thoughts on <laughs> yes,
2: that? Yes, you do. Yeah, it, the, first of all, you, you, one of the things you should try to do is is test your audience. Uh, against the brand, even before you approach the brand. So, one of the things you can do if you uh, will we'll stick with my silly idea about uh, if you sell accounting software, partnering with Staples, right? Um, if, if Staples published some great content last week that you think your audience might love, then send an email to your audience with the Staples content and see what their reaction is. If they say, I hate Staples and this was a dumb article and don't send this to me again, oh, well, then okay, this is not going to be a good partnership. Right. Uh, so, you Want to test these ideas in small ways. My motto is always start small but think big. So, even you can even see on Twitter when you tweet somebody a a potential partner's article or piece of content, are people loving it that love you? Because if they are, then these are good examples that you can show to the partner and say, I think this is going to be a great partnership. And it also gives you a soft way to, to test the waters without having to call them up and say, Well, that sucked. Sorry, we shouldn't partner again. Um, but awesome. but but if it does go awry long term, yeah, you do need an exit strategy. Uh, you, uh, you know, and I think one of the keys is th- these partnerships. Um, the ones that I've seen that are successful aren't emblazoned everywhere. Um, they're really soft partnerships that. Um, that, that seem organic in a way, it seems really logical when the audience gets it. Uh, and, and, and untying those logical, uh, you know, relationships isn't easy, but it's not, it it also doesn't necessarily need a giant press release. Gotcha. uh, Gotcha.
0: Any other major mistakes that you see happening that, that we should avoid when we're thinking about these things?
2: Uh, I think the last one is, don't think in campaigns just think in commitments so make a commitment to a specific audience instead of a campaign about a specific product or a service that you're trying to push so even you know when I was talking about Contactually and Michael Port partnering together you know they were making a commitment that both of their audiences would love what they're going to create together Uh, and it wasn't going to be a campaign about get people to sign up for Contactually's software or get people to buy Michael Port's book and then call it done what you really want to do is make a commitment to each other's audience for the long term. So it goes back to point one, which is don't think short term, make big commitments and and don't think about sponsorships, think about collaboration.
0: Andrew, are are there people that specialize in, I know that you don't do consulting anymore, but are there people out there who are like specialists who you could hire to help you figure all this stuff out? And yes, you know, what are they called? Where do you find
2: them? Sure. So uh, there are a lot of people that call them themselves kind of, uh, you know, marketing partnership consultants. Uh, There's a there's a great guy I met uh, actually who's out of South Africa that uh, is is really believes in partnerships in a deep way. And he's actually you know, started what he calls a partnership agency. Um, So, you you know, I, I, I have met some of these people, uh, especially since I I wrote Brandscaping there, those people love the book because uh, they feel like finally someone said the things they were doing. (laughs) Um, But, but I think, I, um, not, not that I'm going to caution you against working with a consultant. Uh, I think the best partnerships have come out of um, you know smart marketers uh, experimenting with access to an audience and building the partnership together instead of really over strategizing. Uh, and and you know coming up with a, a great strategy that might fall apart in step two uh, and, and i think that's the tendency with a lot of um, you know kind of outside service providers is that we'll strategize it to death uh, and then find that it doesn't work in step two so I, I would i would say start experimenting fast and you'll start seeing the opportunities uh, you know come to you start exploring those those audiences you want access to
0: well i know that we've just barely scratched the surface of this um, and i know that a lot of people are, are probably like me, like thinking, Hmm, this is really intriguing. I've never even considered anything like this, you know, at the level that Andrew has been talking about. So first of all, thank you. Um, I know you've got a brand new project that you're working on. Why don't you tell everybody what's coming from you?
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, well, thanks for asking. This has been a lot of fun by the way. Uh, and I'm happy to keep, Chatting a, a, another time. Uh, that would be awesome. But, uh, I'm, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm working on a book called Town Inc. Uh, and it, the the uh, the subtitle is actually "Grow Your Business, Save Your Town." Leave your legacy, Uh, and you know. After over the last three years, I've visited about. I ended up visiting about fifty small towns and cities around the United States, and I found myself wondering why are some booming and others bust. And you know, at first I thought, well, I'm going to find out that some of these have great economic development offices and they have tax incentives, and you know, they're they're really got some strategic uh, partnerships with big brands or something that's making this work. Uh, And it turns out that the ones that are unbelievably successful have done what I call staked their claim. Mm. So if you live in a small town or city and you just fill in the blank, like my town is the blank capital of the world, If you can fill that in with something concrete, like Warsaw, Indiana is the orthopedic capital of the world, chances are you're doing a lot better than the other towns that don't have a claim like that. So I'm basically writing Town Inc. to help the visionaries in a lot of these small towns in in America that uh, people think are dying to kind of embrace this simple idea, find the success stories within, find the origin stories, why should I be here, and start helping uh, people create what I call location envy, which is – make people believe that they won't be as successful as they, they could be unless they move to that place. That's that's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Like Michael, like if you think about, uh, you know, content marketing world in Cleveland every year and you just, if, if Joe Polizzi just said tomorrow that Cleveland is the, the content marketing capital of the world, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. All of a sudden people that are starting content marketing agencies in Tampa, Florida will wonder if they would be more successful if they just moved to Cleveland.
0: That is so cool. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of lessons in there for people that you know, aren't in government, right? I mean...
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to focus this on the business people because what I found was it's the business people in these towns who are already successful that have a bigger vision for the town. Like I'm, I met this woman uh, uh, in Hamilton, Missouri, and she started creating YouTube videos every week about what she calls quick quilting. So she can show you how to make a quilt in a day instead of a year, right? Which is, this is like a revolution in quilting. Wow, And she basically took her little quilting store, uh, which was you know, a little place that uh, just opened a couple hours a day and now has turned it into a, a tourist mecca. 50,000 people a year visit Hamilton, Missouri to meet Jenny Doan and go to Missouri Star Quilting Company. She's now the largest employer in the county. She's bought 17 buildings in the downtown area, and she wants to turn it into the Disneyland of quilting. So this book isn't oh for the gosh. economic development people. It's for the, it's, it's for the Jenny Doans of the world, the visionaries who believe the town could be successful if they could only embrace their vision.
0: That is so cool. Andrew, you are an awesome it's, storyteller, I got to tell you.
2: <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, this is this is really fun. I've enjoyed it.
0: Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find out more about you and about your your current book, Brandscaping, and where they might be able to find your, your new book, Town Inc.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, you can find out about uh, Brandscaping at brandscapingbook.com. Uh, you can, one of the best ways to get in touch with me is follow me on Twitter. I'm at drew. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to find out about Town Inc. uh, at aka druedavis.com, so also known as druedavis.com. Uh, I'll put some updates up there, and the book should be out next month or so. So, awesome. uh, I won't, I'll, I'm going to be vague on the date because I'm not exactly sure when, but it'll drop soon,
0: Andrew Davis. On behalf of many, many people, thank you so much for joining us today and planting a lot of really cool seeds in in the minds of a lot of listeners that will hopefully lead to a lot of future stories that we can both tell. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in that interview. If there was anything that we mentioned and you did not catch it, don't worry, we take the notes for you. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash 127. That stands for episode 127. That's a crazy number. Now, don't forget to never miss a future episode of this podcast if you're new. Subscribe to it. It's free. Just hit that subscription button on whatever player you're using. Also, um, if you love the show, you can help us get out the word by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. That will populate a tweet into your Twitter stream saying that you recommend the show. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day, and may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.